Winter brethren and spring, I guess. Uh, I, I take exception to what Dave, he came up right after the Lord's Supper. I don't know if you heard him, but there was sort of a, he was saying to Rachel, who's getting married on Saturday and having to move to Canada. <laughs> Did you notice the emphasis there? Like there's something wrong with Canada, Dave? <laughs> Yeah. No, no. There's six months that's wrong with Canada. Rachel, you better get used to it. When I left, uh, we came down on uh, uh, Thursday night, flew out of uh, Sudbury, our hometown, out our front yard, uh, April the 10th, right? Five feet of snow still. Global warming <laughs> has hit Canada. Again, good to be with you, and um, what I'm going to do this morning and this evening is uh, bring a, a message. I've been working on a series in Canada uh, called The Sayings of My Mother. I can still hear my mother's voice. My mother's uh, passed away in 1993, but uh, I can still hear her voice. And uh, the impact that she had on me, of course, and uh, some of her scenes. One of them, and I brought this a couple of months ago here. I started a series, so some of this will be review. But one of the scenes of my mother was this. What in the world is going on? What in the world is going on? So what we're going to do this morning and this evening or talk about eight things that are going on in the world. And I think you'll find them very interesting. I've enjoyed doing this series, and I think it'll be beneficial as we uh, consider these points, both this morning and this evening. But before we do, let's uh, ask the Lord for His help. Father in Heaven, we thank You again for this time, and I thank You for these precious folks. Lord, I thank you for thy word. What a privilege it is, Father, to have the very word of God. Imagine that. Father, in, um, Father, this time we pray that you might speak to hearts here today. Uh, remind them, Father, of um, your plan, what's happening. We thank you, Father, that even as the psalmist said, I have more wisdom than the ancients. I have more knowledge than the elders because of thy word. And Father, what a privilege it is to proclaim the word of God. I pray, Father, that you be with us, that the Holy Spirit of God would, would just uh, instruct, encourage, uh, provoke, Father, uh, during this time. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read a few verses to you. You might, if you have a pen, uh, write some of these verses down because I won't, uh, I'm not going to turn to them per se. Some of them I will. But generally, I will uh, give you references for your study. What in the world is going on? Now, my son says every time I get near a computer, Dad, you're painful to watch. And I've got an iPad with me. And uh, 
it might be painful for you to watch me try and operate this thing, okay? But uh, let me read a few verses to you as we uh, consider this subject this morning. The first verse I want to read is found in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19. It seems to come out of nowhere, this verse that would speak to us of what in the world is going on. It says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19 that the whole world, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Now that's a pretty dramatic statement from the Word of God. That the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one or the evil one. The Bible reminds us in Ephesians chapter 6 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. The first point I want to make this morning is that what in the world is going on? Well, the world has a leader. We read about it. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19. The world has a leader. You have not seen him, but he's there. The Bible uh, tells us uh, in Ephesians chapter 2 that we, every one of us in this room, you might have never considered this, but every one of us in this room at one time was used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in unseen world. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. Everyone that's in this room, under at one time, you were lived in the kingdom of darkness. And I prayerfully, you're not there anymore. So look around, folks, when you see people. It's important to understand that. That everyone that you know that has not been born again lives under the power of the wicked one, the evil one. What in the world is going on? In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, it says this, Whose minds, whose minds he has blinded so that they might not see the glorious gospel of Christ. Now folks, it's very important to understand something. In case you think that Satan is the all-powerful, because he's not. He's not. But obviously, what we just read here this morning, he's pretty powerful, right? But there's one over top of him, of course, we know that. But the point is, is that when you read about people that are under the control of the evil one, first of all, they are uh, considered as unbelievers, meaning that he will willfully blind those who are willfully disobedient to the gospel of Christ. You know what, folks? There's a time coming. The Bible is very clear 
during the tribulation, after the church is gone, they're in the rapture, there will be a tribulation. The Bible is very clear that those who do not obey the gospel of Christ, meaning willfully, look folks, we all have a will. And if you have rejected Jesus Christ, the provision for your salvation, God will send you a delusion after the church is gone that now you will believe the lie. So it's just like Pharaoh, right? Pharaoh, you know, you, you almost, you know, when you read through it a little bit, sometimes if you read quickly, you'll think, well, you know, during the time, you know, Moses came to him. But God said, well, I'm going to harden his heart. I'm going to harden his heart. I'm going to harden his heart, right? But the point was that Pharaoh's heart could have never been hardened if he had not already willfully disobeyed God. So there's the free will of man, right? We never negate that out of the Bible because it's very important to understand that. Nobody, folks, is going to uh, be lost no one will go to a Christless eternity without saying no to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we have uh, the wicked one. Uh, we have him controlling the world. It's important uh, as we go here in the first point about what happened. Uh, what makes Satan... The ruler of this world. What happened? If you don't understand that, you, you really will not understand any of what I'm going to say here this morning. What happened? Well, we have to go back to Ezekiel chapter 28. You see, the first rebellion did not occur here on the planet. It occurred in the heavens. What happened? Ezekiel 28 tells us that the most beautiful, the most powerful created being was one called Lucifer, an angel. A powerful angel. And with pride that welled up in his heart. You see, even angels have a will. He rebelled against God. Wanted to take God's place. Think about this brothers and sisters in Christ, for one minute. He was so powerful that he was able to persuade one-third of all angels to go with him. Imagine that. He was that powerful. What a rebel. You see, what did God do at the time? What did God do? You know what God did? God turned to man. It's very important to understand that. God did not have a provision for the rebellion of angels. What did he do? He, had, he created man. It says in Genesis 1 and 26, read it for yourself, that man is a special creation, folks. You know, we got the, we got the lines blurred today, don't we? We, we do in this world. You know, what, what in the world is going on? Well, just look at the, our love that we have for animals today. I mean, it's incredible to me. I, I was over at the beach in Florida yesterday in Hollywood there, and they had a section roped off, and don't you go near it, because if, if you did, uh, I, you know what? Like, 
you, you can't get thrown in jail except if you, if you go and, and, and you trample on the turtles' uh, nests there on the beach in Hollywood, Florida. Like there was a rope around it and a guard around it. Like I wasn't going to plan on going and trampling on those poor turtles. But folks, it, isn't the world like uh, save the whales and kill the babies? You know how many abortions there's been uh, since Roe versus Wade? Over 40 million abortions. 40 million. And has anybody lost any sleep over that? But you just let a dog or a cat. I mean, I, I told you this before since I've been here. I, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a doctor of obituaryology. <laughs> uh, I've been given an honorary degree by my wife. Because she says, I'm fascinated by obituaries. And I am. I love reading about them. But in the Sudbury Star, our local newspaper, there was one I'd never seen before. Where they talked about this lady, and she was predeceased by her two cats. I mean that. Fluffy and Fido. They actually put it in the Sudbury Star. Predeceased. Don't you think that's funny? Now, I don't mean to offend anyone here today. But the world's gone crazy. Right? I tell you the story about the cougar in California that it killed a mother. As uh, the mother tried to protect um, her two young children, the cougar killed the mother, there was such an outrage that they killed that cougar. The law enforcement did. The mother died. There was more money raised for the puppies of that cougar than there was raised for the woman's orphans. And I'm not kidding you. That's a true story. You want to see a world that's gone crazy? The world has gone crazy. The world has a leader. And that leader, hated man. Why is that? Why do you think? Because man was God's special creation. We read about it in Genesis 1 and 26. We read about it again in Psalm chapter 8. And David the psalmist says, you know, when I look upon the heavens, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him. David couldn't get over how God fellowships with man. You know, man, we have such a special uh, place. Well, first of all, man was made the head of this world. When God created Adam and Eve, he put Adam as the first regent, the first king of this planet. He was the boss. He said... Adam, you see this planet? I created it for you. Do you know that this planet is the only planet that they've ever found that has, it's, it's specifically made so that man can live. You can, you can live up on the moon for a while, but it's not made for you to live up there. And they're trying to find, you know, oh, they're looking, 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 because they want to, oh, there's got to be another planet like planet Earth. Well, so far, they haven't found it. Because we got everything we need, man. 
to live right here. Right? It's the only planet, by the way. That ought to tell us something about evolution. It ought to tell us about the Big Bang. Right? This is the only planet. And why? Because God wanted to fellowship with man. He made man in the likeness of himself and in the the, um, personality. You see, we're different folks than angels. The Bible tells us about angels. And don't think that Satan didn't uh, see this. It tells us in Hebrews that angels are servants of the living God. Also, angels are there for you and for me. You see, because when you continue on with Psalm 8, it says, you made man a little lower than the angels. You know that that translation isn't right. You made man a little lower than God. That's what it really says. Man is a step beyond... But angels in God's rung are lower than we are. You see, God never made provision for angels, but He made provision for us. Even when Adam sinned, right? Adam and Eve sinned. God made provision. God made provision for man. What is man? You see... So what happens? Satan comes. Do you think he just showed up one day in the garden? Think about that for a minute. Genesis chapter 3. Do you think he was without a plan? He saw this planet made for man to be man's dominion. And he said, I can't have that. And he went with the temptation before Eve and then Adam. And they forsook the throne that God had given them because they disobeyed God and followed the devil. So folks, what in the world is going on today? You have to understand that part. That Satan came and he took the keys. He took the keys. He's now the boss. Now, of course, remember... God knows all these things. He's allowed it to happen, and He's going to make it right. And we're going to get there, uh, hopefully, uh, on time. So God has a leader. Number two, God has a spirit. You have to go to second, uh, uh, the first uh, John, chapter four, and you'll read about it there. Again, let me just, for the sake of time, uh, tell you what to read. First John, chapter four, one to six. Okay? Go there and read this. That Satan, okay, there's a leader, but there's a, that Satan has a spirit. It's in the world today. First John tells us. He gives it a name. It's the spirit of the Antichrist. And, and it's not that John says this. He didn't say, well, you know, the spirit of the Antichrist is going to come, and that's true, isn't it? But you know what John says in 1 John chapter 4? He says, it's already here. The spirit of the Antichrist. Now, what is that? What is the spirit? Well, Antichrist instead of Christ. uh, Counterfeit to Christ. Well, think of it for a minute. What is that spirit? Well, let's go to the Holy Spirit. 
Let's go to the true thing. What does the Holy Spirit do? We're, we read about this in John 16, chapter 16, in verse 8, I believe. It says this. The Holy Spirit comes to what? Three things. And folks, when you share the gospel and you want to work along with the Holy Spirit, think about what the Holy Spirit does. One, the overarching principle of the Holy Spirit is what? Is to elevate Jesus Christ. So, you know, you can say God loves you. One thing I've learned over the years when I read my Bible, and Jesus is supreme. Jesus is supreme. You want to bring the gospel to people? Jesus is supreme. That's what the Holy Spirit always does. And he does, he does it in three ways. He convicts men of their sin. Right? He convicts men of their sin. He convicts men of righteousness. Meaning, their unrighteousness. The righteousness of God. Jesus Christ Himself. The sinless one. And compared to that, what are we? We fall short of the glory of God. Right? What's the third thing He does? And don't, folks, again, I just find that that sometimes we don't bring the whole gospel in. And what I mean by that is this. What is the third thing that the Holy Spirit does? He convinces men of judgment to come. You know, people think there's two things are coming. Death and taxes, right? Taxes and death, right? That's sort of a saying around, isn't it, in the world? But you know what? I always bring them to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. There's two appointments, one with death. And the second one with judgment. You know what, folks? When the Holy Spirit is working on a person, when the fear of God grips their heart, they're going to think that they're going to give an account to God for what they've done. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So what's the spirit of the Antichrist? Well, he goes, he goes against that, right? I thought it was on this verse, but I guess it's back in our chapel in... in uh, in Sudbury, it says, in all things, he, Jesus, might have the preeminence. Right? In all things, he might have the preeminence. Well, you see what Satan does. The, what is the spirit of the Antichrist? The spirit of the Antichrist is, I'm okay, you're okay. Right? That's what the world likes that message. I'm okay, you're okay. Right? Sin? Hmm, we don't talk about that so much. And uh, Jesus, well, he was a good guy. Uh, he was a moral teacher. He was one of the ways, you know, no different than Confucius and Muhammad and other prophets and whatever, right? Isn't that what the way Satan works? That's the spirit of the Antichrist, folks. And folks, there's no judgment to come. God's a loving God. How could God set anyone to hell? You see, the spirit of the Antichrist is alive and well today. That's what's going on in the world, in the people's minds. The spirit of the Antichrist. The world, thirdly, has a philosophy and wisdom. The world has a philosophy and wisdom. You'll read about this in James chapter 3 and verses 13 through 18. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. The world has a philosophy and a wisdom. 
And you know what it is, folks? It's all about, it's, it's spelt this, me-ology. Right? That's the world's philosophy. Take care of yourself. You deserve to be number one. Right? That's the world. The Bible tells us in the last days, as this wisdom and philosophy of the world become more prevalent in our society, we're seeing it more and more and more today, that men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure, lovers of treasure, but certainly not lovers of God. Folks, is that age upon us already? I asked you the question. What in the world is going on? Isn't it true? Don't we, aren't we into meology? Look at the, the new church movements that go on. It's, it's even within the churches, right? Like they, like, like forget the, forget the preaching of the word, forget doctrine, but here's how we'll all get along. You know what? Uh, like, uh, let's just take care of me. It's the antithesis of what the Bible teaches. <laughs> the, you know, the, the, uh, the wisdom from above, the Bible tells us, is first of all pure and peaceful, peaceable and gentle and easily to be entreated without partiality, without hypocrisy, full of mercy and full of good fruit. That's found in James chapter 3 and starting uh, in verse 16. So the opposite, see, here, here's the point, okay? Here's the world's philosophy. One... It's selfish ambition. It's vain conceit. Right? It's all about me. And it's full of pride. On the other side, God's wisdom is what? The overarching principle of God's wisdom. When you want to know if you have God's wisdom in your life, folks, here it is. Humility. And we see it, read about it in Philippians chapter 2, don't we? About the, the Son of Man, the Son of God, who humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The, look at our leader, but look at the world's leader, you see? Look at the world's leader. It's all about me. It's selfishness. It's selfishness. The world has a philosophy. The world has a wisdom. The wisdom of this world, the Bible tells us, is foolishness. The world looks at the cross, folks, and they, 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 they see it as foolishness. All of my life, I had a cross around my neck when I was a little boy. I never went to a school without a cross. Uh, that was in every classroom that I went to. I never went into a bedroom as a little boy that I didn't sleep as a little boy in a bed that had a cross above its head, uh, the head of the bed. But I never understood the cross, folks. I never did. It was foolishness to me. All I could see on there, I didn't understand, even at Easter. Even at Easter, you know, where you would think that the message is clear, but you want to see the blinder? You want to see how the God of this age works? The God of the age is in the blinding business, folks. He's in the blinding. I was blind as a bat. I could not see. When I saw that cross, all I could think of was, uh, you see, uh, all I could think of was, I felt sorry for that guy there. I, I, you know, I, as a Catholic, I hate to say this, 
uh, I was uh, I didn't like Jews that much. It was sort of pounded into me. You know, if I looked at it, the Arab and even as a as a 25 year old, 30 year old, and you know, Israel had been through wars. I always cheered for the Palestinians, always. And the world does that too, doesn't it? Because to me, the Jews are the cause of a lot of problems. I mean, they put that guy on the cross. I felt sorry for that guy. Who is that guy? Ah, you know what? He was the son of God. I never thought of him as the son of God. You see, to me, baby Jesus. He was that cute little baby in the manger. But the guy on the cross, yeah, oh yeah, that's Jesus too. What did they do that? How stupid is that? Like, man, couldn't you get, like, what? What did you, you know, I don't like you Jews. Why did you do that to him? I never understood. Folks, don't assume that they know what the cross means. The world doesn't understand the cross. We come to the Lord's Supper and we, we, we never get tired about the cross of Calvary because we understand it. We can go to the foot of it and we think of, Oh, Jesus, you died for me. I, here I was, 30 years old. I never understood it. When somebody told me and the Holy Spirit took away the blinders, I could look at the cross. I went, My word, Jesus died for me. Tony Martin. The only time I could take Jesus, I can't curse it out of my mouth. I couldn't say hello without saying Jesus, blah, blah, blah. I cursed that person's name. I never understood. I didn't understand who he was. And why he had to go to the cross. Folks, go to your next door neighbor. They don't understand. You see Hollywood stars with a cross around their neck. Do you think they understand the cross? The rappers, they got a big cross, almost all of them. They mock the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't understand, folks. Understand what in the world is going on. They're blind. They cannot see. That was me. And that was you. And that was you. The world has a philosophy. The world... um, has its own religion. Do you know the world had its, the world had its first pope? You know who the first pope was? Not Peter. That's what I was taught when I was a little boy. First pope was Peter. No, he wasn't. You know who the first pope was? Cain. Yeah. Cain won. Pope Cain won. What are you talking about, Tony? You're crazy. He wasn't a pope. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. He was. He was. He was the. You see, what in the world's going on? You think Satan, like folks, Satan ain't stupid either, right? Like he's evil, but he's not stupid. He knows in mankind there's a, a religious element to everyone. You know, folks. Don't worry about agnostics or, you know, atheists and all that. There's so few because people, there's, there's, a, there's a hole in the heart, right? And people that, you know, uh, Satan knows one thing. Satan knows that um, you and I need to fill that void in our lives. So he comes, right? Well, the Bible tells us, if you don't believe me, you read this for yourself. 1 John chapter 3, verse 12. Cain, listen, Cain 
You've got to read it in the Bible, because it ain't me that's saying it. Belonged to the evil one. He was his first pope. You remember the story, Genesis chapter 4. You know, Adam and Eve taught their kids, just like you teach your kids, right? And train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is, not, when he is old, he shall not depart from it. But remember, God doesn't have any grandchildren, so you've got to teach your kids. You know, you've got to teach your kids, right, the, the truth. And, and you know what? Cain and Abel knew the truth, folks. And uh, Adam said, well, look, uh, when I sinned, when I broke God's heart, when I broke God's law, God had a provision for me. On the very day it happened, you know what he did? He took an innocent animal, and I was trying to cover up. Listen, Abel, Cain, listen to what I'm saying. I was trying to cover up. Me and, me and your mom, we were running away from God. We felt like we were naked. Well, we really weren't naked, except before the eyes with whom we have to do. Because we covered ourselves up with fig leaves. And uh, that won't do, folks. And so they taught their kids, look, when you come before God, you bring uh, an innocent animal to take your place. Just like God taught us. You want to approach a holy God? Don't come without blood, innocent blood. So here's Abel. He comes, right? We know the story. His offering is accepted. And here comes Cain. Hey, Cain's a rebel. Infiltrated by Satan himself. And he comes, he says, no. He invented the religion of good works. He was the first pope. Folks, let me tell you something. I hope not to offend any of you. But all of the religions of the world, all of them, listen to what I'm going to say. You can take me to task afterwards if you want. All of the religions of the world come from Cain. And what is that? God, look what I've done. Look what I'm going to do. I remember sitting beside my father in a plane. A great place to witness, you know. Where was he going to go? And we had spent some time in a business meeting with some Mormons in Salt Lake City. And I went with my dad and we, uh, we were going to sign a deal uh, to do some business uh, uh, with uh, some vitamins with the Mormons. And we met with Mormons, it seemed like, for a week. You go to Salt Lake City, that's all there is. Probably not, but I'm just thinking. And my dad, on the way home, he says, Tony, what's the difference between Mormons and, and me? And he's not me, but him. Because my dad's a Catholic, right? I said, Dad, hallelujah. Because he was in the middle seat. I was on the aisle. And my dad could not escape anywhere. And um, I took out, I, I had a, pe a pen, and I had a paper, and I said, Dad, all religions. Two letters. And I wrote them for my dad, right in front of him. I said, all religions is due, Dad. Dio. 
You've got to do something to please God. You've got to do something to get to heaven. You've got to do. And I said, Dad, you know what the difference between the Mormons, the Catholics, the Protestants, the whatever, the, the Muslims, the Jehovah Witnesses, you name it, all the isms that you can think of? I said, here's the difference, Dad. And I added two letters at the end. D-O-N-E. That's Christianity. It's already done. I said, Dad, it's already done. Jesus went to the cross and died for you. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. It's already been done. It's already done. The words on the cross were, it is finished. It is finished. It's done. The world has its own religion. I used to think, and I've said this many a time. I remember one time uh, speaking in front of a Major League Baseball team. I said, you know what? I used to be on the All-Star team. Because the All-Star game it was on a Sunday. And the following week, the All-Star game uh, was going to take place. And there was a couple of guys in the room that day were going to the All-Star game. So I used this little analogy at the time. And I said, you know what? I used to be on an All-Star team. And they all looked at me. Yeah, you play baseball, Dr. Martin? No, I never played. Well, I played some baseball, but never at your level. But I was on the all-star team. I was on Satan's all-star team. And then I explained that, right, to them. But you know what? You know what I've been thinking about recently? I'm not on Satan's all-star team. I never was. You know why? Because I never had a lot of influence on people. Maybe a little bit in my family. And, you know, maybe some of my patients. But when I think of it now, I really didn't have a big influence on people at all. I wasn't on his all-star team. You know who's on his all-star team? Religious leaders. Did you, did you ever notice in John's Gospel what Jesus said to the religious leaders of the day? He said, you are of your father, the devil. Quote, John chapter 8, and I believe it's 46. You are of your father, the devil. Folks, religion belongs to the king of this world. What in the world is going on? You remember the funeral of Nelson Mandela? Right? Not that long ago. The world attended. And they had their religious leaders there. And they could, they could easily all identify. Now, don't get me wrong here, folks, okay? Don't take me to task after. Because maybe your, your hero is Nelson Mandela. He's certainly a lot of the world's hero. He was a Marxist, by the way. But I'm not getting into that. I just want to show you the, the power that people can have. And how they can influence other people the way they do. Folks, I don't have that kind of power over the masses. But religious leaders do. You know who the, the man of the year was this year in the Times magazine? Who was it? Somebody tell me. The Pope. Man of the year. Most influential man in all of the world. 
Men love religion, folks. They love religion. But it doesn't come from God. And you know, I work with a Christian radio station. I have a uh, a radio show and a TV show up in Canada. And you know, sometimes I work with people. I have to work with people in, in that environment, right? Like, not everybody's brethren, obviously. You know, and there's some wonderful Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. But there's some Christians that drive me crazy. And you know why? Because they throw doctrine out the window in order to get along with people, right? So now, you know, in the Christian station, it's nothing for us to have a Catholic priest there. Drives me insane. Well, look, if I could get to heaven for what I used to have, why didn't I still stay there? My grandmother went to Mass seven days a week, 52 weeks of the year, every day. That's what I was brought up in, folks. And yet Christians today, oh, you know what? They got Jesus. Yeah, but Jesus doesn't have the preeminence. Jesus doesn't have the preeminence there. Look at I was there. I can say the Mass. You want to hear it? I can say the Mass in French, English, and Latin still today. I've got to watch myself when I go into church. I go to a wedding or whatever, right? Funeral. I, I, I know all the actions, folks. I, I tell you, I was brought up in that system. I, 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 can, I can tell you in all three languages, Latin, French, and English. But you know what, folks? I, I, I don't like to be negative, but I'm going to be negative here. I can't handle it when Christians, everybody's a Christian. Everybody's a Christian. Well, you know what? To me, it's a narrow road. You know what? It cost me my family. My mother cursed me when I accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. My dad put in his will that I was not to preach the gospel at his funeral, folks. He put it in his will. Guess what? The will got read too late. (laughs) It's true. I preached at my dad's funeral. I preached at my mother's funeral. She came to Christ on her deathbed. She told my dad right to his face, she said, and she could barely talk. She says, Tony preaches at my funeral, otherwise it's not in the Catholic Church. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. My dad was so angry when my sister died, 35 years old. What a tragedy. uh, Rosie and I had led my sister to the Lord. And uh, my sister held my hands before she died and said, Tony, you preach it. You preach it, because they're going to do it right in the Catholic Church. You tell them. I tell you, I told them. I told them what happened to her. I preached the gospel in the Catholic Church. I could see the priest's eyes were burning holes in the back of my, uh, my jacket. Afterwards, my brother came and tried to punch my lights out. And I'm not kidding you. He was so angry that he literally tried to beat me up at, at, the, at the wake. Folks, listen to me for a minute. Religion belongs to the evil one. I'm going to say it, and I'll say it again. Religion belongs to the evil one. People will die today for the gospel. We, we, we don't know it in North America, right? We hardly... Like, well, I gave you a, a few instances of persecution for me. Nothing. Never cost me my life. I'm sure if my brother could have got a hold of me that day, he would have 
taken my life. But folks, there are people going to die today. April the 13th and 2014 for the name of Christ. And you know what they'll die to? They won't die. Uh, they'll die because of religion. They'll die because of religion. What in the world is going on? Well, folks, listen. You want to find out the rest? You've got to come tonight. What in the world is going on? We're going to look at the world has affections. The world has repentance, their own type. Very interesting. The world has a city. How do you like that? And the world has a man. And then we're going to discuss tonight, hopefully we'll get to it, how do we as Christians fight the world? How is we as Christians fight against the world? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again, O oh God, for this time. I thank you for these precious folks that have come, Lord. And Father, I just pray that you would uh, touch people's hearts this morning. Father, would you remind them again of sin, of, uh, of, of the righteousness of God and their unrighteousness if they're here without Christ, and certainly, Father, judgment to come. Father, for the saints that are here, Lord, would you wake us up? Father, what excuse would we have if you were to come back today? What excuse would we have if we're not ready? Father, we're, we're told this is the, our hope. The return of the Lord Jesus Christ when he will come back and claim this world for his own. Father, I thank you that you took me out of darkness into his marvelous light. I thank you that you translated, you, you took me off that team that I was on. And you put me on uh, the winning team. But it's far more than that, God. You've made me and, and many here uh, sons of God. Joint heirs with Christ. Father, what a thrill. What a privilege it is to know the King of kings and the Lord of lords the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.